There's something special about painting on a street corner and then being able to get on social media and say, here's where the thing is. Like, please enjoy it and know that anybody can go see it. What does positivity mean to you? There's like catharsis to spring, you know, drawing or painting or exercising your creative juices is a great way to like move through a feeling or or maintain a positive attitude. I was raised as a Mormon in Utah. We can't just like stumble upon happiness doing the same shit every day. You got to change something. Hey you, welcome to the Art and Happiness Project, the podcast about the transformative powers of art. I'm Agathe Westad and in this show I speak with artists from all categories, painters, musicians, actors, dancers, but also business leaders and academics. We tell moving and inspiring stories of how arts and creativity help us find meaning, improve our relationships and increase our well-being, whoever we are and wherever we're from. Merci and enjoy. Hi. Hey. I made it. How are you? Come on in. Thank good. Thank you. Welcome. Nice and bright. So, it's good to be here. For this episode, I was really excited to speak with the acclaimed graffiti artist Jason Naylor. If you live in New York or if you've ever been in the city, you've probably seen at least one of his works because they're literally all over the streets of New York. They're colorful and uplifting designs with a definite touch of punk that often include words. Jason trained initially as a graphic designer. He's gained serious recognition as a mural artist, but his distinctive touch is a really explicit intent to spread messages of optimism and self-care through his work. Um, so we talked about the democratic uplifting powers of street art, about the meaning and impact of positivity, and, and also what are the small creative ways that we can use to bring more joys into our daily lives. We also discussed the fact that colors, creativity, and creative thinking even are a way to make us pay attention, to be present, grateful, and connected, which is something that's become really difficult for a lot of us. Jason's art and words are, to me, really a remedy against cynicism and, and also permission to play like when we were little. And I love that. I hope you do too. Let's go. Hi, Jason. Hi. Welcome to the Art and Happiness Project. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very nice to be in your studio. It's nice to have you here. Um, I'm looking at all the cans of paint, uh, spray paint on your wall. And I guess the, the first question I want to ask you is, how does it feel when you are in the action of spray painting? Like, what's the mind space that you're in? Well, I love that question, first of all, because the the magic of spray paint for me is that it kind of like takes me out of my head. So like, I, I don't really know when you say like, what is the mind space? Like, I don't know where it is. I don't know where I go. Like I totally disappear. And that's the beauty of it. I think there's something about the, there's like catharsis to spraying, you know, and it's a combination of the pressure with the finger. It's like a variable pressure. And so you, depending on how hard you press on the, on the cap, mm. you know, more or less paint comes out. And then, um, so you combine that with the fact that when you press on the cap, the paint starts to flow, right? And you have to move your hand. You can't just hold your hand there. Right. Whereas like with a brush, you can kind of just like sit there Stay with there it. Stay there and wait. <laughs> or hover or whatever. With a can, you have to move. And so there's this constant movement that's happening. It's like this dance, right? Mm. And and for me, this dance of spraying like just completely clears my mind. And it's beautiful. I love it. 
I want to do this. Um, maybe I'll steal one from you later. Yeah. Give it a try. You can take one home. Yeah. Do you have a favorite color? Yeah, magenta. Magenta. <laughs> Why? Or fuchsia. Yeah. Hot pink, punk yeah. pink. Do you associate it to any particular emotion or? Well, I mean, pink generally is associated with compassion. Mm. And hot pink is often associated with punk. But um, for me, I just like the, the fuchsia or magenta color by itself, this hot pink color by itself is not what I love. It's, it's I love it with the rest of the colors. Like even if something as simple as black and white with hot pink, hot pink can give such a like electric feel, mm. you know, and, and it has such a power to it. And if you, if you add a hot pink to like neutral colors, then it can like make them come really alive, you know? And I just feel like it's a really versatile color and it has this like energy that's really poppy. Yeah. I like that actually, because when I think about the color pink, as a lot of people, you have this, this, this cliche about pink being very feminine. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because it's associated to, uh, to softness and, 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 And compassion and empathy, which unfortunately I are mostly associated with women. These yeah, days. like why? Why is why that? Why is that? I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't necessarily agree with it. But I love that you, as as a guy, are also saying this. Also because um, pink didn't used to be a feminine color at all. Like if you look back, even actually before the 50s, it was a pretty masculine color. It was a color of power. It was a color of war. It was like a, a, a derivative of of red. You see a lot of kind of old paintings that have kings wearing pretty hot pink colors, mm. actually. Yep. And it's just changed when marketing happened and they had to dissociate it, sell stuff to women and sell, sell stuff to men. So yeah. let's uh, go back in time a little bit. I want to I wanna know why, if you can pinpoint it, why you decided to become an artist. Well, I don't think I really had a choice. I mean, it was always just happening. Like art was always a part of my life. My mom's an artist when I was a kid. Even before I can remember, like I have photos of me as like the tiniest little kid holding up my watercolor or whatever. And um, I, I think it was like the the pastime for me and my siblings. My mom would put out like crayons and colored pencils or whatever. I, I don't even, I don't necessarily have specific memories of that happening. I just mm. know it happened because like the, the photos kind of reflect it. But art was always a part of my life before I even started school. And then... In school, I was always doing art class. I always did well in art classes and art contests, uh, contests, and and it was just like you know one thing led to the next, and then I went to school for graphic design, and like it's just it's always been a thing. So I think it was sort of in the cards for me that I would do something creative with my life, and how I landed here and doing exactly what I do today. I mean, I think that. That's been an evolution, but it, it was I was meant to do something with my hands and and in the creative industry. You just mentioned your mom, and I actually read that she was a big supporter of yours. I I love that because I I think that all kids are born creative. We do it in school, and then the system kind of kills that for most people. Yep. And so, if you don't have somebody. I guess in your close circle, family or other that that helps you through that and keep that, it, it's easy to lose that even for very creative people. So can you talk a bit more about, I guess, your mother's influence in that respect and support? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. It's like the the whole idea of 
the idea that kids are always like getting into trouble, but what they're really doing is just like indulging Story. curiosity, you know? And, and we have a tendency to be like, no, like don't do that because it will make a mess or whatever. But, but what that's teaching the child is stop exploring, mm. you know? And so, um, granted if I were to have kids, I'm sure that I would want them like strapped to a high chair at all times. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's good that I don't have any, <laughs> but, um, my, I assume that my mom was regularly doing things to foster that curiosity and creativity. I, I don't really, I can't speak to whether that happened or how she did that or didn't do that. But since I'm here, I kind of feel like I was left to explore my curiosities as I wanted to, maybe more than others, because I agree that we all start, we all start this life exploring. You know, we start it filled with like wonder and curiosity. And so those of us who keep that, somehow our mothers must play a role, mm-hmm. you know. What do you think is the main difference, I guess, between traditional art and street art and graffiti art? Kind of where do you put yourself on that spectrum? Because as I look, I see two kind of canvas hung above me, which hint to the traditional Feels, but then you're also known as very known as a graffiti street artist. Well, what's the additional value that you get from street art or graffiti? Well, I think it's the scale. I mean, painting on the street and putting art in public has a, has a very different vibe and feeling and power than yeah. hanging something in the gallery. And because of my my trajectory went from doing graphic design work and doing everything on a computer to then painting it directly onto walls, I kind of skipped the trying to hang things in a gallery part of you know the, the normal trajectory. And so now that I have converted some of my street art practice into, into canvas work and have done gallery work, it to me it feels a little bit like it's less impactful. Mm-hmm. And it also feels exclusive and kind of limiting and and I'm aware that the exclusivity of the gallery system like has its you know it has its place but I actually love putting something on the street and knowing that anybody can see it like there's something special about painting on a street corner and then being able to get on social media and say here's where the thing is like please enjoy it and know that anybody can go see it and then there's also the the thrill of knowing that there's countless people who will see it just because they walk by it yeah. Even though they didn't want to, or whether they like it or not, I hope they do. Obviously, <laughs> but like it's it's an experience that's going to happen with many people just because it's there in public. Yeah, I as you're talking, I'm also thinking it's it's the maybe a lot most artists wish for everyone to see their art, but they have to go through the gallery system in order to get that access. If you can skip through that and. And kind of cut the middleman in between, right? And and just show it to the world. Why wouldn't you? Right. right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, it's also for me the 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 actual process of painting with spray paint. Mm. That's so enjoyable for me, and that's the tool that I like to use for public art. My paintings, like the ones that you're looking at here, I use spray paint as well. But because of the size of them, the the process is different. You know, that dance that I talked about earlier, that doesn't happen with a with a two by three foot painting, you know, nope. you're just standing in one place when the wall is 20 feet wide, like you're moving around and it engages your entire body. And that 
that part of the process is special to me. Yeah. So in the in the history of, of of street art, graffiti art, a lot of it is like done illegally, just because the wall is there and the artist can. Did you ever like paint on a wall without like any authorization? Don't admit to a crime on, re- on the record. <laughs> but I, 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 feel like, I feel like I've got to ask the question: uh, like, Did it happen to you once? You're like, oh, here's this here's this cool empty wall. I want to do something about. Yeah, I of course have I, I have done illegal things, but um, that's not really my path. So I've I've done them when I felt like it was appropriate. And let me just qualify that a little bit. I've actually never just seen a wall and been like, oh, I want to go put my name or my art or my mm. whatever on that wall. The only time I've done anything illegal was when I felt like there was a reason to get my art out and I needed to do it without having to find permission. For example, right when the pandemic started, I did this little street campaign that was all about like spread love, not COVID. And I put these stencils all over the place that said, like open your heart. Um, I can't remember the wording. I came up with like good ways to word it, but it was like um, spread love, not COVID nineteen. Um, something about washing your hands. Um, something about opening your heart. Uh, we're in this together. Like things like that. And I put these designs. I just stenciled them all over the like all over the city and all over Brooklyn. But I. Long story short, the reason to do it was because I wanted to mobilize and like spread the message to everyone that like we're in this together. This shit is happening, but like, you know, we got this. And I felt like it didn't matter that it was illegal. It mattered more that the message got to the, especially to like the front line or the um, essential workers. But I didn't do it just because it was unique. I did it because it felt right for me. Like saying positive things is who I am. And so it felt like I was putting my own heart on the streets. That brings me exactly where I wanted to be, which is your your motto, which is, hold on, let me read it just in case I butcher it. But you were talking about being creatively positive and positively creative, yeah, which I love. And, and I guess my, my question is, what does positivity mean to you? Well, I think there's this, I have this inherent optimism. Um, I'm pretty like upbeat, happy-go-lucky. That's, that's just kind of my personality. And I... I always find the silver lining and everything. So when, you know, like if it's a rainy day or whatever, like I, I'm kind of the, the person that naturally finds the thing to be thankful for. And, and I think that that it's, that that's a choice. Obviously you can choose to, to be positive. You can choose to look at the bright side, but I just naturally find the bright side. And so the reason I say that is because I, I don't think that, I think that there's a lot of place for positivity in the world. I think the world needs more positivity, but I don't think that just forcing a positive attitude or telling people to be happy or positive is a healthy thing. Right. But for me, it's actually who I am. So when I say like I'm creatively positive or positively creative, I I think to myself, I, like I this is just who I am. I I'm the guy that looks for the silver linings, and so I'm going to put that into my work. I'm going to put it into the vibe that I carry and I'm going to mm. wear it on my sleeve, you know? I I mean, I, I like that you, you also pointed out to the fact that, you know, jamming positivity down people's throats is probably not efficient and maybe kind of counterproductive. I yeah. feel there's a lot of... Um, I find, and maybe that's also cultural because I, I come from France, which is a country that is eminently 
pessimistic and negative <laughs> yeah. and we complain sarcastic. about everything. Sarcastic, cynical, yeah. you name it. You know, sometimes I feel like, um, especially in America, you know, there's this whole thing about putting a smile on your face and saying that everything is amazing all the time and it feels a bit forced and sometimes I just want to say, you know, I'm having a shit time. Can mm-hmm. I just kind of honor that as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ultimately that's what we're talking about. I mean, it, it's like the positivity is a result of the actions. You know, the positive state is the result of, of the attitude and... Everybody feels down sometimes. Every, there are moments, even for naturally positive people, that I like me. I don't. I don't. There are moments when I don't feel positive, when I may feel worried or scared or nervous or whatever else. So I think that, you know, for all of my personal cynicism, sometimes about the idea of positivity, it's not fluff, right? It's it's real. There is serious science that has shown that practicing gratitude and pra- practicing kind of optimistic rewiring helps people reduce their stress, their levels of anxiety, their levels of depression. Mm-hmm. It's a, it has impact on mental illness. It has impact mm-hmm. on sometimes physical diseases. Yeah, live longer. Live longer, et cetera. So it's not, it's not just kind of a bullshit, but like marketing buzzword that, you know, you can have right. two places, which is, I think, how it also can it very easily... It also is. Yes, and it also is. Um, I, I don't know if, if this is something that, you know, you... you you even have a, an answer to, but I still wanted to ask you because um, I feel like people who are very intent on positivity and self-care and mental health usually come from sometimes a place where they, they had to deal with, with with hard stuff in order to realize how important that is. Yeah. Because if you never really had to, it's kind of a given, like happiness is more of a given, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so if you're comfortable sharing, is there anything in your life that you had to go through that forced you to look at, you know, what is happiness to me? What, how do I look after myself? How do I instill more positivity? Yeah, tons. I have tons of those things. <laughs> um, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's the, the balance. You may be happy, but you won't know that you're happy unless you know what it feels like to be sad, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I really strongly believe in that. And so, so I have tons of darkness in my past that I could tell you about. <laughs> One of the things that was very difficult for me I was raised as a Mormon in Utah. And when I was 19, I went to be a missionary in Brazil for two years. And what that means, if you don't know, is you go, you leave your family, you go and get assigned a companion. And it's another person, you know, their kid that's like 19 or whatever. And you go to this other place, could be Brazil, could be Africa, whatever. And you spend two years there knocking on doors and telling people about Mormonism and basically trying to convert them to join the Mormon church, the Mormon religion. So I did that for two years. And there, now that it's all done and looking back, of course, there are a lot of really amazing things that came from it. And there was a lot of growth. And I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, even though I don't practice Mormonism anymore. But doing that for two years, like while I was there, it was so brutal. And, and I went through every possible you know, difficult feeling that one could go through on a very daily basis. You know, like I, I felt so lonely. I was so sad. I, I was like counting the seconds till it would be over, which is the worst way to pass time, you know? So that's, that's one of the times in my life that I feel like I, I came, I overcame it. I, I learned to find, you know, contentment with the situation. In the, in the end, it was a positive experience because I learned so much and I grew so much. But the reason I grew is because I suffered through it. I had to deal with a lot of difficult things, you know? And so- Did I, you have to want to, sorry, to um, kind of ask yourself then, you know, 
is this making me happy? And if not, what would? Is well, that yeah, kind of yeah. The process that-, that is that is the process, and ultimately that that was a catalyst to me understanding that I didn't want to be a part of the Mormon religion afterwards. You know, me, I think you're walking around every day, knocking on doors, and being like, "Hey, we're missionaries. Do you want a book of Mormon? Can we come in? Can we talk about God?" Like you do that over and over again, and you start to ask yourself, "Well, why is this so good? Like, why do we? Why do I want to?" bring God to these people? Or why do I think that Mormonism is important for this particular family? And as you start asking those questions, because you're trying to figure out why you're struggling or why you're alone, you ask it of yourself, right? Why is God important for me? And so without turning this whole podcast into a religion podcast, right? <laughs> needless to say, like I started to question all these things on my own and, and I had to move through those things and, and discover and answer and learn and find myself. And so what was the role of art there, if any? Is that a time where you were creative? I wasn't, no. I, I mean, there was one day a week when we could do laundry and stuff like that and I would draw in a sketchbook and um, I, don't, I don't know where those sketchbooks are. There's probably a lot of <laughs> interesting things in there. But um, I, I, I didn't make a lot of art. No, not really. And that probably, that's an interesting question. I've never thought about this. The fact that I wasn't creating very much probably contributed to my, the difficulty that I had being there. So creativity as a means to happiness? Yes, Yeah. absolutely. Part of that's cool. Yeah, creativity. I mean, I think even, it's like, you know how you could get up and wash dishes when you're upset and like after you're done washing the dishes, you're like, ah, it's no big deal. You know, like even just using your hands mm. could kind of wipe the slate clean a little bit. So I think drawing or painting or exercising your creative juices, so to speak, is a great way to like move through a feeling or or maintain a positive attitude because it's it, it clears your mind. You know, it, it. I think our we're our worst enemy. You know, we start thinking and that can be our detriment. And when you start creating or drawing or painting, all those things kind of seem to just go away a little mm. bit. I think it's also what you were describing when you were talking about spray painting at the beginning, right? It's like you get to that state of, I mean, the, the name for it, I guess, is flow, right? I don't know if you're familiar with the positive psychology terms of flow. That yes. means that, you know, you don't see the passage of time. Like, this is something that you could do, go on forever. You lose t- sense of, you know, time, space, yep. belonging, etc. And it's, uh, you know, you're completely absorbed and, and completely present, which is rare. Yeah, it is rare. And it's hard to find... You know, people meditate and find that, but it's hard. I think it's a very individual thing, and it's hard for people to find whatever their flow is. This like Zen state, right? And yeah. I, I think once you've found it, it's something special, whatever it is. Yeah. And you have to if you if you can capture it and recreate it or generate it or go back to the same place. You know, it's like for me, I know that spraying does that for me, and I know that it does it every time, so I can count on it. I really hope for everyone to have something like this, you yeah. know? And I think that artists are, you know, very sensitive, but also very lucky in that, you know, there is something about using your hands that hardly ever fails at producing that state. It's probably the same thing for any manual labor or for a lot of manual labels like cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people have desk jobs and don't have any ways of, you know, getting access to that. Right. Yeah. So creativity is a, is a good way. Um, let's play that song that you told me about for okay. a second as a mini break, and then we can talk about it. Oh, yeah. 
I picked this song because I love that she says I'm unstoppable today, and and there's something about saying that, like the fact that she says today, it it's like more tangible mm-hmm. this mantra because it's it's not like I'm a god, like I'm the most unstoppable, powerful thing in the world. It's like I'm today. Mm. It's like you know every day telling yourself you can paint a wall today, Jason, or like whatever you have to do that day, you you can say to yourself like, today I got this. Yeah. That's not an unreachable goal. It's not an unreachable feeling. You know, it's not an untouchable place to be to accomplish something today. That's all you have to do is today, right? And it goes back to the one day at a time concept. I was going to say, yeah. Also, which is a 12 steps program thing. Yeah, um, but, but the concept of one day at a time, like that, it doesn't have to be like an alcohol or, what, or a 12 steps thing. That's just like a, um, could be like, you've got a rough week. I've got a lot of shit to do this week. So I'm going to worry about today, you know? And so it's like, today I got this. You're right. And also it's a really good point, the, 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 the thing about the idea of today, because the idea of happiness actually annoys a lot of people because it seems like this ungraspable kind of permanent state, which it isn't. Right. And a lot of the concepts of positivity and happiness and well-being and self-care are about something that you can do on a daily basis, right? Happiness is like this sort of secret side effect of a daily practice of things that are like fulfilling and and maybe good for your body, mind, soul. Like, I want to talk a little bit about colors because obviously that's such a, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, but if you if you listen to a song like this, do you have colors that come to mind? I mean, I love that question. If we listen to this Sia song, what color comes to mind? I feel motivated. And what color does that look like to me? Probably hot pink. Back to hot pink. Yeah, because I think the, the feeling of motivation is me feeling like I can be myself. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the hot pink, it's almost like adding hot pink to the rest of the world's colors is me being able to add my voice 
to the rest of them or add my flavor to the rest of them. Why do colors matter? Oh, colors matter because we need mental stimulation daily. Um, but to expand on that a little bit, I think colors matter more than just stimulation. Colors matter because we've come to associate different things with different colors and, and uh, colors dictate a lot of things about our day even, you know? And for example, like you get in your car and you drive and, and we rely on a system for the roads and for driving that uses red, yellow, and green. And so we need those colors to function that day while we're on the road, right? And that's an example of like this, all these little things that happen throughout the day where color is playing a role in how we function as a, as a person or as a culture. Also, I think that the, having the, you know, the diversity and the variety of the things that we look at makes the day enjoyable. You know, if beyond just the fact that our brains would de deteriorate if we didn't have stimulation, if we just lived in a black and white world, it would be so joyless. And I think this all kind of circles back to the topic, you know, the happiness and the positivity. Like those little like instants that start to stack up throughout the day make you feel good. So I wanted to talk to you also about your book, Live Life Colorfully. Yes. Um, which which I, I really enjoyed, actually. And I'm not saying actually like I didn't expect to, but I, <laughs> that's how it all, especially Yay. with the French accents. I know how that sounds. No, I really enjoyed it, full stop. Because, um, I mean, I told you I, how I feel about positivity sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, please, you know, just like, I, do I need more advice on how to be a happy coming from? But I really like this because... Um, I think it's going back to the idea idea of what you can do in very, very small doses and small things that make a big difference if yeah. you add them up. And it links, you have in there a lot of, of uh, kind of tips and advice on how to bring colors in your life in a way that spark joy and bring delight. So is it going to make you get over trauma? Probably not. Is it going to be long, like, you know, turn you into a happy person forever? I don't think anything does, right? But It's the idea that you can be artful in so many more ways than people usually think about, mm -hmm. which I think is very interesting. Yeah. One of my favorite examples was sprinkles. Yeah. I bought sprinkles yesterday and I put <laughs> them on my cake and I yes. thought about you and I had I mean, you know, it's stupid, but it's also not, you know. Totally, yeah. It's not and So and you didn't need the sprinkles. You just you opted in to the sprinkles. I opted into the sprinkles, but and I'm really happy that I did, you know, because it's a way to be creative. We were talking about creativity and not everybody mm -hmm. having access to it and doing mm -hmm. something with your hand mattering. And I think all of those um you you managed through this book to um Uh, to draw all those lines together. Well, I love that you brought that up. I mean, I think the the it, it's not something that you can prescribe. Like, I can't tell you to be happy. In fact, it's probably going to have the opposite effect. What I might be able to do for you, and this is what I try to do with my work and my book, is give you a little bit of joy. And I think over time, joy does contribute to happiness. Joy does not equal happiness. So with the book, it was like, you know, how can I basically write a list of things that help to bring joy to people, even if it's just for a second, you know? And it's like with the mural, the, the, the mural isn't going to bring anyone happiness, but the mural might make somebody forget about their sadness for one second. So if I can like rob somebody's sadness from them for one second, then maybe I contributed to their overall happiness mm -hmm. 
in the long term, you know, in the big picture. And the book, my book is is designed to kind of, kind of do that, you know. So here's one of my favorites. One of the pages is a challenge and it says to do a cartwheel. And I love this because first of all, I thought that the illustration was like really fun, you know, but because nobody's like successfully completing the cartwheel in the drawing, you know. <laughs> And the point, or in life, <laughs> or in that life, I know of. totally. That, and that—that that was the point of the cartwheel, you know. And it's like, what does it have to do with color? Well, it's more about like um, engaging you to do something different, and that's it. Like change the tune, or change the pace, or change something, and and you will. And and then you're like, where were we? It's like a glitch in mm. in the system, you know. For for 15 minutes, you're you're lost, you know. Like it's. I think I think by actually doing it, you create your own little flow for a minute, where you lose yourself. And it's play. I think we you, were, you know we were talking about this very early in the conversation. Like it's creativity is is play. What what babies do mm-hmm. is is you know in doing stuff that annoys us is play, yeah. right? And ultimately, that's what as adults we lose. You know, everything becomes very serious, and yep. you forget about that. And color brings a lot of that. Yep. It's it's so little that it doesn't cost us anything, right? Like the right. idea of a sprinkle, and I love it. I wanted to challenge people to, to think outside the box, you know? Like do something a little different. And I, I think that's, that's the ultimate goal is like, we can't just like stumble upon happiness doing the same shit every day. You got to change something. So if you change one thing about your day today, if you change, change the way you go to work, like don't take the same path. You know, take a different route, even if it takes longer, because chances are you're going to drive by something that you never saw before, or you're going to walk by a new little like boutique that you never knew about, or whatever it is. Like something unexpected is going to happen because you changed your route, and that unexpected thing is going to be a delight or a surprise, and that those little moments add up. At, at the end of the day, what you're saying also to me is find new ways of paying attention. Right, because that's what it does, right? Like changing the route, putting something new on your pancakes, choosing another color. It's just a way to pay attention to things that you don't usually do or that seem trivial, like you know, writing notes or you know, making yeah. breakfast. Um, how do you um, make it new? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that you put it that way. It's like being more present. Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the flow state of when you spray paint, and it's it's. Happiness has so much to do with being present uh, because unhappiness has a lot to do with anxiety, which is focusing on the future too much, focusing too much on the past. And so people just lose, I mean, not lose, but they just don't have the muscle that allows them to be present and forget the present and the past. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. God, yes, I really like that. (laughs) I'll write it. (laughs) (laughs) Put it in your book. Well, it'll be recorded, hopefully, uh, unless I cut it. Um, but uh, but yes, so I mean, to your point, I think uh, a lot of what you do in your art and in this book to me is consistent with that idea that it's so it's just so many new ways of being present. Mm-hmm. Um, and creativity is probably one of the most important ways that you can, or effective ways that you can do that. Yeah, agreed. What's next in terms of your projects? Let's see. Um, well, it's starting to, despite it being freezing today, it's starting to get warm, which means that I'll be painting outside a lot more. Um, I have a couple of interesting projects coming up, but one that I'll mention, and it's 
in partnership with NAMI NYC, which is the National Alliance for Mental Illness. So it's a mental health project. And NAMI is putting on a street fest and it will be at South Street Seaport. And it's, it's sometime end of May, which is also Mental Health Month. Um, so what I will be doing is painting a, like a fake mural during this street festival and that is going to have postcards. Like, let's say, I don't know exactly how many, but we're going to call it like 200 postcards and they'll be put up on this wall and then I'm going to paint all the postcards. So I'll paint the mural onto the postcards basically. And when it, when the event is over, everybody will take home a postcard and on the back side there will be something special. But on the side that I painted, it'll be a little piece of my mural. So um, I'm really excited about this and I think it's going to be, um, it's good for everyone's mental health to go be around other people and do something that's fun, that's interesting, that's different, and that also uh, helps out mental health. I love it. In order to end, I have like a, a kind of a fire questionnaire. So question, one word, answer. Don't think about it. Got it, you know. got it. Okay, I'm ready. Ready? Ready. Okay. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? A flower. Do you sing in the shower? No. Do you believe in God? Oh, I, I, I can't go there. Sorry. We've already talked about God too much. <laughs> I know. That's what I thought. Would you rather the whole world see a sex tape of you or your full Google history? Oh, I'm fine with the sex tape. Last time you cried? Sunday. What is art for in one word? Humans. Humans. Love it. Thank you so much, Jason. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That was so much fun. You liked it? I loved it. Yeah. That's all, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had fun with Jason and I. If you have questions, feedback, ideas for me, please reach out and share. And if you want to help, share the podcast, tell a friend, follow us on Instagram or literally anywhere else. Um, it all helps a lot. Thanks and see you next week. Bye.